Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It is almost 4th of July weekend and unfortunately Rebecca Lynch is under the weather today and will not be joining us. Uh, we look forward to having Rebecca back in July. But as always, Robert Craig is with us, the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, welcome. Good day, everyone. So we have a heavily Supreme Court-based show this week. We're going to start by talking about the Janus ruling, which came down Wednesday morning. We'll be joined by Candace Owley, the president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals, to talk a little bit more about that. We'll dive into that decision, talk about its implications um, for the future of labor. Um, and then also, we're going to talk about Justice Kennedy stepping down. Um, I will ask, it's not the full panel, but Robert, just how bad this is and what does it really mean? Um, we will then talk about Trump uh, visiting Wisconsin and the Foxconn groundbreaking and everything that surrounds that. With that, Robert, let's let's dive into Janice a little bit before we um, get Candace Owley on. And just to let our listeners know, in case you're unaware, right, uh, the Supreme Court, this is its final week of giving out rulings. And uh, Janice is a decision that we've been expecting for a while as it relates to organized labor. And essentially what it means is that government workers now who choose not to be in a union are no longer going to be charged for the cost of collective bargaining, which um, is something that has been a, a, a sort of an operating legal decision uh, since the 70s. Uh, and this will have major implications for all government uh, employees, all government unions, um, and in particularly in 22 states that where this still really impacted, and, and, and these are where a lot of these uh, unions are particularly strong. So, Robert, that's kind of the top lines, but I wanted to jump right in and quickly get your thoughts about broadly what this means uh, before we uh, talk to Candace Owley. So we've been saying for a long time on Battleground Wisconsin that you need to understand conservative judges, not as folks who have some different philosophy of how they read the law and come to judgments. You have to understand it as, in general, especially the far right of the court, which we'll talk about later, is poised to take even further control. It's a jurisprudence where they use the law to figure out how simply to justify modern conservative ideology. So this really is politicians in robes, and it's rarefied. It is very much like uh, you know, the stereotypical image of, of, of court politicians when, when, the, when the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages used to be highly political, where they're just giving it the air of some sort of legal analysis and precedent, et cetera, et cetera. And it is worth pointing out this was a 5-4 decision, so again, along this very heavily sort of partisan divide, yep. Because you will not find the court, they've weaponized the First Amendment, as Justice Kagan pointed out, that they've now decided that Janus, who's a, a state employee in Illinois who sued AFSCME, uh, has a right for AFSCME to negotiate his contract, increase his wages and benefits, and protect him in every such way, but not to pay a dime for it, right? That is, and even if you're taking out, and AFSCME was already taken out per previous court decisions, anything related to politics or anything else. This is just the cost of representation. So there's now a First Amendment right to be a free rider, okay? Now, you will not find the Supreme Court looking at corporations in the same way. In fact, as we're taping here, I believe Donald Trump is having a big fundraiser at the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee 
with Almeida, the people who want to destroy the union movement because they don't want workers to have any balance in the economy, because that's what this is about, right? This is about full corporate control and billionaire control. So you're not going to see them saying that corporations can no longer make decisions for all their shareholders with no process or no judgment. And that violates the First Amendment. They'll say, oh, well, they could have voted in these proxy things and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, as Mr. Janus sort of, sort of could have uh, engaged in a lot of things within the union if he had chosen to. So my point is, forget about all the air, all of the incense, all the smoke around this 19th century institution, the U.S. Supreme Court, and understand this is just a political power play, pure and simple, and that's why President Trump tweeted out uh, right after the decision that this is going to really hurt Democrats financially in elections, because that's what it's about. Absolutely, Robert. I mean, I'm glad you brought the point about how this is from their view, this is a highly political thing, right, to try to take away the political power and the power of labor and workers, right? So we're very fortunate to be joined now by the president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals, Candace Owley. Candace, thanks for joining us today. Sure, you're welcome. So obviously this decision impacts your union. You, your union also represents uh, health professionals in the public sector. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously your union's thoughts, but then, you know, how, how you see this going forward uh, will impact uh, the nurses and health professionals you work with. Um, well, the fact is, I guess in Wisconsin, we don't see that it will have much impact because we've already been through um, these brutal attacks on our rights. And, uh, you know, so we've gotten uh, our, our uh, I guess, our, our feet planted firmly on the ground as to how to move forward uh, with these various attacks. And so for us, uh, uh, this decision is more about, you know, the impact it will have on our, our, um, our members and our, our colleagues in the larger labor movement and also in our own union across the country. And we've been preparing for a long time. I mean, honestly, our folks that are in other states um, well, New Jersey, New York, uh, places like that where they've had strong labor laws, you know, they were already looking to Wisconsin and they've been tracking how Wisconsin has responded to these various attacks. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is some of our um, strongest uh, unions right now, happen in the, certainly in the teachers' field, happen to be in, in the South where they didn't really have full rights anyhow. And what you see is this tremendous uprising that's happening among workers in general as they uh, look to find a way to have a, um, you know, better working conditions for them for themselves, but equally better ability to, to deliver services, whether that's in the schools or in, in uh, hospitals. And so we're seeing um, a big uh, increase in, in the um, public belief in the need of unions. So, you know, in, in some ways, I think these very anti-union, anti-worker rulings are uh, uh, having in some cases and, and, and hopefully in, on into the future almost the opposite effect of, of the intention. So I think that they are causing the unions to really look deeply inside themselves to see, you know, what, uh, uh, how, how can we be, uh, do the best for our members uh, and in Wisconsin, I think clearly what we found, and that's why we're uh, so supportive of citizen action, 
is that the the union are the most relevant when they move beyond their own membership and uh, partner with the community in lifting the the, the um, rights and the benefits for the whole community, whether it's around health care or whether it's even around um, the right to a, a living wage. So, so no longer being isolated, I guess. So Candace, uh, there's Robert, totally agree with your analysis. Uh, I hear you saying that Obviously, the intent here is to damage unions, reduce the role of workers in the economy. In the case of your union, reduce the role of caregivers in the delivery of care, right? That and also defund the Democratic Party and any nonprofits that are and community groups that are closely allied with labor. So, but you think you're absolutely right that it could strengthen labor ultimately and that that's what we have to do, that people shouldn't overreact and think this is the death of labor, there'll be no more labor unions. It depends how we respond to the challenge. But then secondarily, there's no question it's going to hit uh, hit unions in, in the pocketbook and make it harder to do things, make us rely even more on grassroots activism because literally you're going to have a whole bunch of people now who get the benefits of union representation, and now the Supreme Court says it's a First Amendment right not to pay for it. Right, and I do think even in the court ruling itself, uh, the majority made reference to the fact that they absolutely knew that this would financially uh, harm the unions, uh, as if it was in the forefront of their mind even that uh, this is something that would very much uh, harm uh, the the uh, unions in the immediacy, uh, particularly around their economics. But I know that our union, and uh, not just in Wisconsin, but but across the country, I think what we've really learned, and Wisconsin kind of hit us too early. We weren't really ready <laughs> to understand, you know, this wave that was coming. But what we really see is that the importance of uh, having direct communication and member engagement in a way that that um, kind of harkens back to an earlier uh, century. Um, but so I believe that in fact we we do and will have stronger unions as a result of that. The importance that now every single member has to have uh, uh, conversations about you know you know why is it important that we come together to take on, for example, corporate health care. And these these conversations resonate really very well with new employees who want to have a way to, to have a stay at work. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're seeing real positive results. Candace, we got to take a break. I want to, right after our break, follow up on, right, these lessons, the lessons that we've learned here in Wisconsin, as you mentioned also in the South, about really how this does, certainly is by no means the end of the labor movement. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about the historic Janus decision this week in the Supreme Court, and we're joined by Candace Owley, the president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses. Before we left, Candace was <clears throat> talking about how, you know, obviously here in Wisconsin, their union has already been grappling with a lot of the restrictions, but also in the South where they've never really had some of these rights and that there's a lot of lessons to be learned here in Wisconsin and other places about the future of the labor movement. And you also referenced uh, the organizing, the healthcare organizing cooperative. 
uh, that we're jointly doing with you here at Citizen Action. Uh, so I wanted you to talk a little bit more about some of these these lessons, really, that uh, uh, are going to have to spread nationally for labor. Sure. Um, I think that, that certainly in Wisconsin, what we, well, we knew that it's important to be uh, engaged with the community because we go, deliver a, an important public service. But knowing things and really making it uh, happen uh, is very different. And I think that these attacks on labor made us realize, uh, like never before, how important, first of all, labor is to the community, but that the community is to the labor movement, and that really going, that, that the community is where labor unions have to be. They have to be out uh, standing up for, for all kinds of rights. You know, in our case, you know, we're, we're working together in the uh, uh, health care um, uh, co-op, Around around the issue of health for costs, around the issue of, of having uh, you know badger care for all, looking at a way to make everybody have health care that doesn't put them into bankruptcy, and that that is not just about representing our members. It's really, it's about helping to give voice to the community because we still have a, an organization and a structure where we can we can help lift that community voice. And at the same time, you know, the community then sees that there's, you know, great value in having um, organized workers that can come together in, in partnership. And I think we're seeing this now across the country, and our, our education workers, uh, our unions, uh, and, and, and employees are, are truly seeing it, which is why when you look at the what you could think of the Southern Teacher Uprising, you know, what you really see there is that uh, interestingly, they didn't have the right to bargain, and so it, if the if the courts thought that this was going to damage labor's political role, what we're really seeing is a huge increase in recognizing that uh, the people who are, we elect are making decisions about the services that we provide, and so almost a new uh, politicization. I mean, I heard from the Oklahoma teachers that they have now hundreds of teachers running for office down there, and uh, thousands of new people who have registered to vote in Oklahoma because they've connected these dots. So I think, you know, this, this uh, bodes really well for the future of, of labor and, and for our communities when we're standing up and recognizing that that these uh, attacks on on labor really are becoming an attack on on working people more broadly. Hey, Candace, um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know what's interesting is that if you look back historically, uh, things were very different, and there was a very strong labor movement before we even had the National Labor Relations Act. That's what led to the that and then public employee bargaining that began in the late 50s in Wisconsin. And so if, if the right, rights of workers is a social movement and is a fundamental right, and I don't believe that the demand for rights ever goes away, no matter what, is, what power uses, what corporate power and right-wing power uses to try to squelch it, then it's going to work through other means, which you've been laying out. And in the past, before there was uh, a structured kind of collective bargaining system, uh, the, uh, the, the, the social movement the, uh, uh, for, for civil rights for workers and, and economic rights 
uh, was much more kind of destabilizing because it had to disrupt. And so we may, and that's what we've seen here in West Virginia and Oklahoma. I mean, literally it became this big public crisis. And it, that's what happens when you take away regular kind of legal rights where it could be done through arbitration and all of this official kind of back and forth collective bargaining. They take that away. It just becomes much more of an active social movement on the streets. And quite frankly, they may be, uh, they may be sorry, sorry what they've done and, they may, and what they've wrought by their actions. I think we've all, we've clearly learned too that that you can't that you have to actually put your body on the line. I guess you could say that it does require uh, a physical showing up at uh, uh, at events, uh, at whether it's whether it's the uh, young people from Selman Douglas, uh, you know, showing up uh, over gun rights, uh, you know, the right not to be killed in a classroom. Or, or, you know, whether it's the women that are showing up in massive numbers uh, in the electoral work, that this idea of, uh, of having to actually show up is, uh, is something that is really starting to resonate. And I do want to make one more point, which is, you know, would be, I'm sure you already commented about the courts, but, uh, you know, this was an overturning of 40 years, uh, a law that was settled law. And I think it's, you know, important to, in this moment, also remember that all the rights that people think might exist uh, that lie in the hands of the court are really, uh, uh, you know, you have to be uh, fully aware these days. Every progressive, every, you know, everybody that cares about women's rights or, uh, uh, you know, LGBT rights and so on, you know, you better be fully and fully aware of what uh, that the courts can strip these things away in a heartbeat. And uh, so like never before, this attention and recognition that elections and, and uh, who's in the courts uh, are, are so critical for what kind of a future we're going to have in our communities. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Candace. And in fact, everyone needs to realize that their rights are literally on the auction block if a big corporation, a right-wing billionaire, Republican Party, finds it in their interest to remove it. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. And these politicians in robes are not interpreting our Constitution at all. They are simply doing the bidding of power. One of the things that is actually critical in this time of moment is, you mentioned Candace showing up, right? The critical thing of the healthcare organizing cooperatives and the other cooperatives, right, that we're building here at Citizen Action is about that. And it's about people coming together, organizing together, putting in small amounts of resources to help fund organization. And I think this decision only further should challenge people and challenge our listeners. If you are currently not a member of this healthcare organizing cooperative that Candace has talked about and played a, has played a leadership role in helping support and get growing, um, you need to today. You need to go online. We're gonna have a link and you can go sign up today to join our healthcare organizing cooperative. If not, you can reach out to Katie Dunn. We'll have her contact info. She helps lead this organizing cooperative around healthcare. If, you're, if you would like to join one of our broader co-ops, we have, you, you don't have to, it doesn't have to just be our healthcare co-ops. We have a broader Milwaukee co-op. We have a co-op in Appleton and uh, Green Bay, Fox Valley, Wausau, Eau Claire. Please sign up, get involved. We need to build organization in order to stand up 
and organize and build a strategy to change uh, and, and, and build a different future. Uh, so first of all, Candace, thank you for your leadership and, and seeing the need for this broader sense of organization. And it's, uh, you know, it's <laughs> this week it's proven that it's going to be even more critical than ever uh, going forward. Exactly. Yeah, and you don't, and I also would, uh, of course, I'm very uh, keen on uh, the health care for all and, and looking for ways forward on health care, which is like also the co-ops are working on voting rights and the, the uh, gerrymandering issue, which obviously is a huge issue as it relates to our democracy. So for people who care about just the general issue of democracy, uh, I really encourage them to, to sign up also. Absolutely. Well, Candace, we want to uh, thank you for taking the time to join us today and talk about this and, of course, your leadership, um, not only within uh, the broader labor movement, but also here at Citizen Action. We very much appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Um, obviously, much thanks to Candace. Uh, but please, folks, uh, go online, join our co-ops. This is the only way we build organization, and our co-ops are not. It's not something that state legislators, the governor federal a court can take away it's uh it, it's basically us coming together putting our nickels and dimes together to build organizations so please go online and join our organizing cooperative and with that we're going to take a break you're listening to the battleground wisconsin we're citizen action you can find us at citizen action Welcome back to the battleground wisconsin we're citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org we want to talk about Foxconn. We took a week off, I think, of Foxconn. Didn't mention anything last week. Maybe not. not. Sure. No, that's we a might. lie. Liar! Liar! Look forward to being a PolitiFact. Lie. They talk about it every week. <laughs> Pants on fire. Anyway, so uh, our president is in Wisconsin as we speak. And uh, today, on Thursday, is the Foxconn groundbreaking. And there will be protests, uh, not only at or near the Foxconn site, there is protests going on in Milwaukee as we speak, and Citizen Action members in a number of parts around the state, Rapids, Wausau, Appleton, are having uh, events to talk about why this is a terrible use of our resources. So Robert, um, big day, right? You know, we're so, so lucky to have President Trump to come and bring his sound economic philosophy of basically giving away the store to a large national corporation with, at best, a shady worker history. I think we all should be proud that he's staying in our finest hotel. Union uh, Hotel. Yes, the Fister downtown. I don't <laughs> think anyone told him it was Union. Uh, and then he's holding, of course, a fundraiser uh, to fill the coffers of Scott Walker and Leo Vukmir and company, I assume. And then, of course... The great Foxconn thing, taking, expropriating, extracting $4 billion from the people of Wisconsin to aid one multinational corporation uh, and to produce, I don't know, on the order of six times fewer jobs than you could create, even if you just got what the going rate was for, for economic subsidies that states pay out in, in return for jobs, let alone if you actually invested in education, health care, or renewable energy, where it'd be even greater and where there'd be a return on investment to reinvest. So, I mean, it's it it's it's greatly revealing of economic the economic philosophy of modern conservatives, which is to basically it, it's like strip mining, right? Take all the resources you can and rich large corporations promise the world, and then of course you're gone by the time 
uh, you, you've damaged uh, the people, damaged the economy, done nothing for the common good. So I think it's wonderfully symbolic to have uh, a rogue character like Donald Trump who will go down as one of the most humiliating presidents in our history, no matter what he does, uh, unless he can fire all the historians of the future, uh, and Scott Walker, who also will, be, will, will not look good in history, uh, but in his mind is somehow destined to replace Donald Trump in the White House. I must say it was also very nice to be able to hear uh, Representative Gordon Hintz, who's the very good. the new leader, speak very clearly about why this is wrong and to be on the exact right message about how this is the worst way you would spend $4 billion if you were going to create real economic opportunity, that we would actually invest this in our public education. We would think about how can we actually put green jobs throughout the state, not just concentrated in one geographic part. Uh, and so it was very good to hear him speaking very clearly about this because for the first few years, obviously, we didn't necessarily have as clear a response to this. And I think that is useful and going to be desperately needed given these times we're in. Yeah. And when we have our, our report from the scene in Mount Pleasant, we'll be able to find out whether there's a, there's a golden shovel or not for the groundbreaking. I don't, I've never stayed at the Fister because you don't stay in hotels in your own hometown. You don't need to. But I, I don't think there are golden toilets there for the president. <laughs> but maybe there's a golden shovel waiting for him. So with that, though, we, Robert, you referenced uh, Lou Sosa is one of our organizers here at Citizen Action. She leads our Acción Ciudadana uh, organizing cooperative. And a lot of our members are out at the protest today. And we wanted Lou's to come on and join us to talk not only about what's going on at the protest today, but also about some an event that she'll be hosting on Saturday in response to the president's immigration policy. So we're really excited to have Lou Sosa, our organizer with Acción Ciudadana. She is at the protest today here in Milwaukee. Lou's, how you doing? Hi, Matt. So how Lou, are you? I'm, I'm great. How are you? You are actually on the streets of Milwaukee. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know what's going on? Yes, I'm actually really excited to be here uh, joining both of the La Frontera uh, at around Clyborne and uh, the entrance of 794. Uh, the people from Voltes have shut down the streets. Uh, the people are very excited. Um, and, you know, we are here because we're demanding that Donald Trump, uh, you know, keeps families together, especially immigrant families together. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's where we are right now. So, so Luz, let's talk more about that, right? We have we talked on our show uh, the last couple of weeks about what's been going on at the border and the separation of families, and uh, had Erica Flynn, one of our members, on who went down there. Let's let's talk just a little bit more about that issue, and then I believe you're also going to be having an event on Saturday. Yes, correct. So, um, so this is an ongoing issue, and that is why almost every day we're having a, a protest. Uh, on Saturday, we will be meeting at 1 p.m. in front of the federal building, which is 517 East Wisconsin Avenue, uh, to demand the same thing, that uh, these families that have been separated by the zero-tolerance uh, policy implemented by Jeff Sessions, uh, you know, it, it, it needs to stop. And I know that he has signed a, uh, an executive order, uh, sorry, an executive order to stop the separation of families, but uh, what that executive order actually says is that the families will be kept together, but they will be indefinitely 
in those concentration camps. So uh, that's not what we want. That's not what we're asking. We're asking that the families who are seeking asylum get the asylum and uh, and the families are kept together. Um, and so that's why we're here and that's why we're protesting also on Saturday. Uh, thanks, Luz, for putting it that way, though. Just to save us from PolitiFact, I'll say that it's that, that you're calling them concentration camps. I think they are, but I'm, the executive order probably calls them something very family-friendly. But nonetheless, <laughs> your, your, your point is very well made. And I think, uh, Luz, the key thing you said is, this is not over. The family separation at the borders was simply uh, the kind of ragged, ugly edge of a broadly immoral immigration policy of Donald Trump, which, where he has tried to build power on othering people and basically saying that they're not equal human beings like everyone else. And so this is just ending the visible family separation in front of reporters at the border in no way whitewashes and cleans up this policy. It is still an ugly, immoral policy that needs to be called out. And as you pointed out, it's now become indefinite confinement as opposed to family separation. And since it's behind closed doors and military camps, there'll be even less accountability and less ability to know what, what is taking place. That's correct, Robert. Um, and we will keep fighting until, uh, until this fight is over. And, and what we can see is that this might actually get worse, uh, you know, with with everything happening at the Supreme Court, uh, you know, and where we don't have allies, we don't have people who actually care or who are actually reading the Constitution right. Because if people are seeking asylum, they have the right to actually cross the border. It doesn't matter how they cross the border. Once they get to the United States, they, they can apply for uh, asylum. And uh, right now, the Constitution is being uh, broken, and people are not following the, the law, and not even the people at the Supreme Court are following the law which is very sad. Well, this is yet another line of issues, right, where people are putting their bodies, putting themselves out there. Uh, Candace Owley was just on earlier talking about, as it relates to Janice, that we're going to, this is likely the direction the labor movement's going to need to go because it doesn't have legal protections anymore. And so this is yet another issue. And so I want to mention that not only is there uh, the event Luz has been leading uh, on Saturday at 1 p.m., but there are other events around the country on Saturday. And we'll have a link uh, to the, uh, a site where you can go see if there's a, an event near you because uh, there's plenty throughout Wisconsin. It's a national day of action. Uh, families belong together. And so um, please, if you're not in Milwaukee, that doesn't mean there isn't an event you can go to. Go to our website. We'll have a link on, on the page to, to let you know where you can go. Luz, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us and also for, for the organizing you do uh, on this and other important issues. Thank you, Matt, and si se puede. Si se puede, Luz. Have a great day. We are near a break. Um, we have to, you're listening, excuse me. So with that, we're going to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. You're listening to us here at Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And once again, I, I want to really stress to our listeners, please, if you have not joined one of our, our organizing cooperatives, please join. There is no better time than this week to basically stick your finger at the right in their efforts to destroy our institutions and organizations. Please join the, our organizing cooperatives. They cannot be attacked by Walker. So uh, we'll have a link on our website. And again, you're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. We are citizens.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. We're Citizen Action. We've been talking a lot about the courts and um, have not had a chance to dive into the decision by Justice Kennedy to step down. Now that the court is done for the year, Justice Kennedy is 81 years old. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan and has been what people would describe as a swing judge, although he is clearly a, a conservative. Um, but there are a number of issues where Justice Kennedy had split with conservatives, including gay rights, abortion, and affirmative action, among a few. Um, and there's no doubt, Robert, that President Trump is fixin' to appoint a very conservative judge. This was something that he actually put front and center in his campaign and said that they've spent a lot of time getting lists of conservative judges ready. So first of all, Robert, I want to get your thoughts on just how damaging this is, right? We're losing, we just talked about Janice, right? This was under Kennedy. Things are going to get a lot worse is I think what a lot of folks are feeling. But I want to get your thoughts on this. Look, we were trying to point out in the section on the U, the U.S. Supreme Court's Janus decision, uh, Janus v. AFSCME, that it's not the end of the world that the union movement simply has to take a different form, right, and has to become much more of a social, an out, outdoors social movement. It's always been a social movement all along. Uh, so in this case, I don't want to overstate it and, and overreact and make people feel demoralized, but it's pretty darn bad. And let, let's just take a step back, rewind, and, and consider what happened, Matt. You remember that uh, uh, there was an opening on the Supreme Court over a year out, uh, from, or a little under a year out, but in the previous, late the previous year from the election, and there'd never been a precedent for doing this, and Mitch McConnell refused to have a vote on a very centrist appointment by President Obama, claiming it was an election year, and claiming that the people need to decide who, who the election before you could have an have an appointment, and then after the election we got Neil Gorsuch, we, and he's someone who's not swingy in the least. Anthony Ketty could be swingy some of the time, despite being behind some of the worst decisions as well, like uh, Janus, like Citizens United, for example. Uh, he seemed to have qualms about the travel ban, but didn't block it, right? Which is clearly was clearly intended as a Muslim ban, uh, which is another uh, decision. This week, we should mention as, a, as an abomination. Uh, this Supreme Court, even with Caddy, at the same time, it was finally overturning the decision that allowed the Japanese internment, uh, decided to allow a policy clearly, clearly motivated by Trump's animus towards an entire world religion uh, to stand on bizarre technical grounds and deference to any claim to national security. So what's going to happen now is, because of the right, and this isn't just one guy, Mitch McConnell, this is the ruthlessness of the right and corporate power to seize all power they can and hold it. The same way that Walker gerrymandered the state with the Republicans, same kind of impulse. You give them an opening, they'll take all power, and they're trying to rewrite the whole rules of the game. So that's what they did in elections in Wisconsin, and that's what they're trying to do here. This Supreme Court is entirely reinterpreting the Constitution, and a new one will be worse, so that there is nothing but corporate rights, okay, and rights of right-wing billionaires, and so democracy can't balance any of that private economic power. That is the goal. And so you're going to have a twofer here. You block a legitimate appointment by President Obama, and then you rush forward with a right-wing appointment that Trump is promising will be someone who will sit on the bench for 40 years. So they're going to find some millennial 
crazed right winger that 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 uh, that and the only criterion really here is, is will Susan Collins and whoever else is supposed to be a swing vote I guess it's the uh, senator from Arizona uh, can stomach yeah and that's worth reminding folks uh, Merritt Garland right yeah. folks remember that name yeah he should yeah. be Justice Garland right now and he uh, was no flame throwing progressive yeah, yeah exactly he was clearly someone that they thought would be like a consensus candidate well yeah that didn't work well, out remember both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, brilliant men, okay? Whatever you think of them, brilliant men, miscalculated this right-wing grab for power and thought that if they adopted some right-wing principles, like on health care, like on crime, uh, like on welfare reform, that they could find common ground. And, of course, that was not true, and this was the last example of it that I can remember, that is Obama thinking, if it's kind of a centrist who isn't a hardcore progressive, then Mitch McConnell won't be able to just flaunt uh, two centuries of precedent and not hold a vote. Well, wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, look, one thing that's clear, this this person's going to be far to the right of Kennedy. You brought up the 40 years. This is going to likely be somebody very young and somebody who lacks probably a super long judicial record. Um, and and then we'll just be jammed through. It, Maybe it's not Andre like it's, Jacques, <laughs> it's the, it's when he when he loses the special set, the, the, the regular oh set God. election again, he's young enough oh and my. doctrinaire enough, right? Oh my, Robert, you mentioned um, uh, campaign finance, and this is one particular area where, like Kennedy, is his legacy has been severely damaging, right, in terms of his perversion of the idea of what uh, speech again is. a free speech. Remember, yeah. uh, it's the free speech right of. Mr. Janice in Illinois, a child care worker, used to have no rights, except for what AFSCME did, right, to not pay for his own representation, but there's a right of corporations to spend unlimited money that they've, that they've grabbed hold of, on behalf of shareholders, by the way, uh, uh, it, communicating whatever they want politically. I mean, here's the reality, too. The Democrats, are, there's virtually nothing, there's not much that they can do to stop this, and you know, this initial effort to talk about somehow that... We should talk about that. Well, uh, all right. Go for it. I just heard Amy Klobuchar, the fine U.S. Senator from Minnesota, on National Public Radio this morning, and her critique of what's going on was spot on. But when she was asked what could they do, she said appeal to public opinion, right, things like that. Uh, I really think it's time for the Democrats in the Senate to think about holding up every darn appropriations bill, bring the whole U.S. Senate to a standstill, because that is what the Republicans would do if the situation was reversed. And so why are we saying that we have to allow this power grab and takeover and rewriting of the U.S. Constitution? Well, look, I actually like what you said there at the end. I actually heard that same interview this morning, and I thought I was going to actually comment that what was talked about at the end was completely unimpressive. The stuff about, like, somehow the, what is it, the McConnell rule or the Biden rule. Yeah. That all that stuff is crap. I mean, it's just nonsense. And can most you say, can you say crap? I don't know if we can. Okay. All that stuff is 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 garbage because it was wrong when the Republicans or the Democrats proposed it. The idea that we should sit out, like you know, and wait for that that's not compelling. What you talked about is compelling because it it broadens it beyond some sort of procedural question to a much broader thing about what are the values of this country and where are we and, headed and what and, are we doing and. And here's why I was talking last night about Janice, actually, that horrible decision with the Secretary-Treasurer of the Wisconsin State AFL-CIO, Stephanie Bloomingdale, a good friend of ours who was also president of one of our boards. And she was reminding me that 
originally it looked like Obama and company might take a harder stand on Merrick Garland, but the consultants went and did a bunch of polling and they decided it didn't poll that well, so then they decided just to appeal to public opinion and basically to let it go with some, with some loud squawking. And I'm suggesting don't listen to that now. We're talking about 40 years, I think, and I think that you have much more than I yeah, not just Senator Klobuchar, but all the other U.S. senators and all the folks in Washington on the left who try to support and help them to do a full analysis of what all the leverage points are and what we can do to stop this, which does not just include senators. It can include social movements, include protests, but to develop a real plan, not just one big protest, and then we go, we, we fill the Wisconsin, uh, D.C. hotels and fill their coffers and then go home. I mean a serious strategy to stop this. Because the idea that we have no power to stop this, I'm not willing to accept that at this point. Before we go and we're running short on time, I wanted to mention, uh, since we're talking about the Supreme Court uh, case here in Wisconsin with the Wisconsin Supreme Court that came down this week, uh, and that it continues to, it upheld uh, that we could put a cap on non-economic damages that you could get for malpractice, for medical malpractice. And this is just, I mean, this ruling is appalling. Uh, it's upholding that you could put a $750,000 cap on somebody. Um, the case th that was decided, this is a woman who lost all four of her limbs. And they know it was a medical malpractice. All she can get, she can't even get a million dollars for, I, it's just, it's People amazing to me. don't know that Wisconsin's had, sometimes you hear right-wingers talk about tort reform and medical malpractice. We've had among the lowest in the country for a long time. And we have a patient compensation fund uh, that's supposed to fund the, the judgments. It has a trillion dollars in it because not enough judgments are being made, okay? And, and again, as I've been talking about rigging, these uh, right-wing ideological politicians and power mongers with, ro with, with, in robes simply twist the state constitution to justify that low a thing. Now, if there was a $750,000 cap on judgments that corporations could get, I'm sure it would violate all the, the, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, and every, every constitutional right imaginable immediately. Just saying this is about who it is, average people or big corporations. And that is a fitting way to end this podcast because it pretty much sums up what's been going on this week. So we want to thank all of our guests, which means we want to say thank you to Lou Sosa, our organizer who joined us uh, from the protests uh, here in Milwaukee. And also we want to thank Candace Owley, president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses, to talk more with us about Janice. With that, we got to go. Thank you for joining us here at the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.